0: Hey, Jenna. Yes, honey? What's the worst part about teaching new players how to play Ticket to Ride?
1: I don't know. What's the worst part?
0: All the training.
1: Oh, boy. Engage
0: Engage. Engage. in a family gaming podcast. podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is episode 122 and my name is Steven Dutzman, your host, as always. This is the official video game and board game podcast for EngageFamilyGaming.com. EFG is a website where parents like myself and my co-hosts come together to give parents and families the information they need to get their family game on. This week, I am joined by my lovely wife Jenna once again.
1: Hello everyone.
0: So, um, thank you for joining me again. You don't really have a choice, but thank you.
1: I guess you're welcome.
0: Well, I mean, you're still doing me a favor, so thank you, even though you don't have a choice, but that's fine. Um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a thing, but thanks for being here. So, um, this week, we're talking about board games. Last week was a very cool episode, a lot of people liked it, got us some cool comments on it, uh, we actually talked about our top 15-ish 3DS games, um, f- especially as recommendations for new players, um, but this week we want to talk about board games. Specifically, um, we actually h- had a really good run of awesome board game parties and that involved people of all different ages and kids, etc. So uh, we wanted to talk about some of our successes and also some of our failures uh, so that you guys could have an idea. Because I know Lots of folks buy these board games and they want to use them and the easiest way to justify using them, outside of having a family board game night, like a dedicated family board game night, would be just to regularly throw board game dinner parties. So we're going to talk about that because both Jenna and I have some opinions, but also uh, we're going to talk about some Kickstarters because we have started our Kickstarter of the week. And so we have one up on the site, but also I want to highlight some more in the podcast. And uh, lastly, we're going to go around the horn. Why don't we do that right now? So, uh, Jenna, you played Santorini, only this time you used the god powers. And it appears that you guys had a lot of fun and inspired the boys to uh, play against each other for a bit. Um, Tell us about it.
1: Well, Santorini, as I've talked about before, is a fun game, and basically your objective is to get your little dude to the top of a tower that you create following certain rules in the game. And we've played it a couple times, and it's been all right, but we haven't really introduced the God Powers, which is a whole, like, advanced level of play. And I got to play with some people who are a little bit more puzzle-minded and a little bit more challenging than it is to play with my children. So we had a lot of fun, and it looks like a really simple game that's going to be super easy to win, and it's very easy to find out how quickly you can get stuck thinking that you're going to win and just get trapped and and not win. I think um, you just
0: described how I play every board game.
1: Right, but this is, you know, it's a specific... You have to think ahead a little bit, like, you know, a few steps ahead when you're playing this game, and it's not so much... You know, luck of it's not luck and what you roll, it's it's a lot more strategy than you would think. And it was much more interesting playing it.
0: So what you're saying is it's harder to play against grown ups than it is against kids?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in, in in a nutshell, is what I'm saying. But it was also much more fun to play and our kids got inspired by watching us play some more challenging matches and fill up that board and build more towers and, and get actually like what looks like a city going on in the map instead of just kind of like a small corner of the board before somebody wins. So um, I think Santorini is, I was really excited about it before it came out. When we got it, it was fun, but I wasn't super enthusiastic about it. Now that I've had a little bit more fun and challenging play sessions with it, it's, it's, um, it's topping the list again of a fun game.
0: But, as we somewhat suspected, it's not a great game for mixed company.
1: It's not. It's not for adults to play with kids. It's not, you know, the kids have to have a certain level of forethought when they're playing the game and not just start throwing pieces on. So, your younger gamers... They're not going to do so well with it.
0: They're just Legos. If your younger gamers just let them build the towers. Well,
1: yeah, my daughter used the towers with her Shopkins, and it was super cute um, to have a little Shopkin city. But not exactly what the game Shopkins was intended for. To Greece. Right, Shopkins they go to Greece. To Greece.
0: Right. So that's Santorini with the God Powers. Um, I actually have not played Santorini yet. We've owned it since Christmas time. I still haven't played it. Um, so we should we should fix that soon, uh, and then maybe I'll share my opinion. Um... I love the way it looks enough that I'm fine owning it like even if I, even if I only ever just look at it I'm fine with it um I just think it's a super rad looking game um and uh, it's also uh one of my favorite it's thematically uh one of my favorite Overwatch levels so there is that so that's Santorini um let let, let me just get one little thing out of the way and then we're gonna kind of hit the big one um so Monster Match I played that with Megan so did I
1: and, and so did everybody. So did
0: everybody. Everybody <laughs> played with Megan uh, because Megan has been carrying it everywhere because she wants to play Monster Match with everyone who will match monsters. And First um, of all, tell everybody what it looks like. Okay, first off, it's a Happy Planet game uh, from North Star. I talked about that on the last board game podcast. Um, and man, is it awesome. It, it, is, uh, it comes in a bag that, uh, kind of like Happy Salmon, and it looks like a little monster, and the zipper is the mouth and so it's just this ugly little monster just kind of just chilling around and it's orange and red I think and it's and blue cute and, and blue. it's got
1: little legs that hang out of it and it's super fun and she carries it around and it's her little monster buddy
0: it is her little monster buddy who she happens to open his mouth and rip his insides out and play a game with them
1: <laughs> yeah if you want to put it that so,
0: way so <laughs> um, the, the long and short is you the, all the cards have monsters that are of different types that have different numbers of arms, legs and eyes And you roll two dice, one of them's a number, and one of them is... An attribute. uh, uh, Is an attribute, so it'll be eyes or arms or legs. And everyone at the table takes a turn whenever the dice gets rolled, and that is, they all race to go find a card that is a monster that has
1: that that amount
0: of parts. So if they roll three eyes, you have to find a monster with three eyes. Now, uh, you keep going... Until, until the deck runs out. The deck runs out. So this game can last a while, which is good, right? It's a neat activity. It keeps kids going for a while. I mean, it's not like forever. The it's game, 15 minutes quick, or so. But this is not a two-minute game. This is a you know a 15-minute game um, that will go longer if kids chit-chat and whatever. This is definitely meant for kids. It's definitely meant for kids. Oh, it is. But, um, but the cool part is, my personal favorite is that on each, each of the pictures, there's a stack of donuts... Of course I love the donuts. Um, And the idea is, at the end of the game, you're not counting cards, you're counting donuts. And the person with the most donuts wins.
1: Right. So certain monsters have more donuts than others. So when you're looking for the attribute, not only does a child have to pay attention to the number of arms or eyes or legs or whatever you're looking at, they also have to pay attention to the number of donuts on that monster card in hopes of trying to get more donuts. ...than their opponent, So at the end, they tally up the number of donuts. The person, the monster who's chomped the most donuts, wins. Um, This is a game that many adults have played with her. They are having fun. It's not, you know, super challenging or like the best game they've ever played. Big guys,
0: this is not Agricola.
1: Right, but they're having fun. Twilight
0: Struggle, this is not.
1: She loves it. And the best thing is we sat there and watched two five-year-olds, three five-year-olds actually, play the game together... Without any supervision, grasp the concept, understand the donut thing, and actually play the game, and we didn't have to help them. And that's another Man, huge so thing, great. to be able it's, to give...
0: It's so great to have a game like that, right? Like, yep. it's so great to have a game in your arsenal that you know that little kids are going to be able to just grok right away and understand. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I just realized I threw out some super, super duper jargon. for those of you that don't know what that means, to grok means to understand fully. It's a science fiction thing.
1: Okay. Anyways, um, it is good to have a game that is like that. We have quite a few of them that we've come across. And if you don't have them, when we talk about our topic later and organizing a good party for board games, that's something you want to add to your arsenal.
0: Go buy Monster Match. That's... It's cheap. It'll be easy. I mean, just go buy Monster Match. If you don't have, like, a super easy kid game already, just go buy Monster Match.
1: Alright, so um, now now for our, our the big... The de
0: resistance of the Around the Horn? Yes. Guys, we played Stuff Fables. I've been talking about Stuff Fables for freaking ever. Um, ever since it was announced at Gen Con, we've been hype about this game. I mean, our hype level has been crazy. How many podcasts have we done... About stuffed fables. I mean, I interviewed the guy. We taught, we did a, a whole episode about games that we wanted to to ape stuffed fables. Um, I told the people at Asmodee that I wanted them to turn all of their games into. Which, by the way, they own everything now because they bought Mayfair. Asmodee is North America is the pu- is the publisher and distributor for that game of it Flat Hat Games. It's complicated.
1: I'm so confused. Okay.
0: Hey, guess what? Here's the here's how it works. Asmodee is like Activision. They have a bunch of companies that make stuff and they put it out. Oh, all right. So, most I recently, mean, I know it's a most hat recently Asmodee bought Mayfair. Cuz Mayfair doesn't exist anymore. They bought Mayfair. So, um, and that's a topic for another time. But so Stuff Fables um, is published by Play Hat Games um, but distributed by Asmodee. Okay. So I saw it at the Asmodee booth, and I told them that I wanted them to use the Adventure Book mechanic on everything. I just want every game they put out to have the Adventure Book mechanic, and they told me probably not. But I literally (coughs) want... This is what I want. I want Wizards of the Coast to ape it and make Dungeons & Dragons campaigns like that. It just sounds perfect. It literally is the perfect thing for that. So um, at least I thought it was perfect, right? Right. And then we put it to the table, um, you know, so we we bought it, we put it on the table, the kids were immediately engaged, and uh, it worked exactly like we thought it would.
1: It did. I mean, there were there were some minor hiccups. Mm-hmm. Um, we came up with some solutions to the game. So you basically, you pick your little character card, and you pick your little minifig that goes along with your character card, mm-hmm. and you put it on your, your, your page on your map. And it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure. You, you know, pick and choose what you're going to do. You read a little section. Your your storyteller reads a section, and you choose what you're going to do, and you you play the game. Um, we figured out that you're supposed to, the mechanic is written, so that you are supposed to put, pass the role of the storyteller on through all the players at the table. Well, that doesn't work very well when you have younger children. They can certainly read the material, but figuring out the order, when to stop, when to start, is a little bit complicated for your 9-year-olds and your 11-year-olds. Um, they have a tendency to read ahead and not quite follow, the, or maybe it's just because we have kids with ADD and ADHD, they don't follow directions very well. So we figured out for our family, we had to... Steven and I had to swap being yeah. the storyteller. We had
0: to switch off back and forth and instead you know
1: what? of passing it on, which was fine.
0: Yeah, from a rules perspective, as far as like breaking rules to adapt a game to be playable with your family, that's about as minor as it gets. Just right. switching it back and forth, and realistically, it would have been fine if I had done it the whole time. You just really, really wanted to see how the game book worked. Yeah, and we so, had—I
1: mean, we—I think we read a couple of things wrong as we were playing through the the first part of the story. Um, but as we got in, it was, it was fun. Um, the only thing is you be prepared for a good sit-down session. So, you know, the kids are going to be sitting there. They're going to have to engage through some of the minute details instead of it being like action, 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 action. There's a little bit of time where you have to figure out things and how, how things work and make sure that, you know, your kids have all been fed and watered. <laughs> like, like yeah. plants and pets, before you sit down to the table. Make sure that they've used the restroom before they sit down to the table because it's very easy to get distracted from the gameplay, and then it's hard to get them back into picking it up. We have one you, you've you heard before. We have one child who's super engaged in games and will sit there for hours. We have our littlest one who's, you know, she's only five. Her attention span is, is slightly more than a nap, but not much. And then we have our nine-year-old who is hit or miss, and on and off, and hot and cold with games. Um, He actually started playing with us, and then he was like, you're figuring stuff out, I don't want to play anymore, I'm going to go watch Dan the Diamond Minecart, and left the room. Mm -hmm. But then once we started getting involved in the action again, he's like, oh, that sounds fun, I want to play.
0: And then he was in for the rest of the time. And then he was in for
1: the rest of the time. So we had to institute a rule, once you leave, you leave. Um, And if you're going to stay, you have to stay, even through the you know, little challenges that come along. But once we played more than one session, when we sat down to our second session, it went a lot faster and a lot more smoothly. So the first session might be rough, but it's so cute. And if you, like I am, remember with nostalgia, reading the Choose Your Own Adventure books and and like that, that feeling, this is definitely the game. I can't wait to paint the minifigs. I've never painted minifigs before, but... They absolutely are adorable. They need to be painted because I I just can't get over how, how perfect they are. And what a story. I mean, it really is quite the story. I mean, who doesn't have memories of being a little kid with your little stuffed animals and thinking that they were your friends and imagining them coming to life? And, and here they do. They come to life to save the little kid. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome. That's it. That's yeah, I thought our... it was
0: great. I mean, all the cards just ooze with flavor. You know, just the... I mean, as, as a person who appreciates cards as, like, representatives of, you know, game mechanics, right? Like, just all the different weapons, you know, being, like, largely improvised. Um, I was a big fan. Um, I think the different characters are interesting and well-balanced. Um, you know, I played as Lumpy, who is basically like the tank um. So he's a like a little fat umbrella, uh, umbrella, a little fat elephant. That um, <laughs> it's an elephant. It's
1: a stuffed elephant.
0: Is you know just super awesome at you know at, at at defending himself. Um, you know which is cool. We you know Evan played as Flopsy, so he was he got to be a rabbit. Which is, you know, rabbits are his favorite thing in the world, um, and you know he was an archer, and so he really dug the, you know, the ranged combat and stuff. So, um, I, I thought it was neat. Um, you know, our, our kids role played, um, maybe not at the table through table talk, but at the very least, you know, at one point. You know, one of them was afraid of a monster, and rather than doing what was mechanically sound, which was maybe try and fight him, he just ran. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know what? I think that was. I-, I think that was pretty rad. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, the art fun. is cool. The figs are amazing. Um, and you know what? It's not really even all that expensive. Um, you're going to be able to get it for around $50 on Amazon. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, this is one of those games that I really think that um, if you are into story-driven kind of games, I think this is one to get into. I know that they are going to make expansions. This has been very successful. A lot of people have it, uh, are happy with it. It's in the top 10 on the Board Game Keep hotness list. So we know it's going to be around. And they're probably going to announce an expansion soon. Um, or at least they'd be crazy if they didn't. Because all they have to do is make another book. So, um, so yeah, that's Stuff Fables. Guys, um, it lives up to the hype. Um, right now, it, I, I think all, both Jenna and I agree, it's our board game of the year so far. Yes, we do have a lot of games to go.
1: <laughs> we have a lot of games that we've gotten since the holidays that we have to, to listen, get to the table.
0: Listen, we're staring at a copy of Grim Forest right here. So... Um, I Happy get birthday it. to me! Happy birthday to you! We are staring at a copy of Grim Forest that is still in the shrink because we're waiting to do. Um, Jenna is waiting to do an unboxing video for everyone because she gets to open her present, and of course we're gonna make content because, right, we have issues. So, um, so there it sits in a shrink. So this is gonna be a great year, but. And that's a big but. I mean, also Dead Man's Diabloons comes out this year, and I know you are a big fan of the Pirates. Um ar- So, yeah, so that's the stuff. <laughs> but right now, Stuff Fables is at the very top, um, and I can't imagine that it won't be near the top. So that, my friends, is Around the Horn. We know this is. these aren't the only games played this week, so by all means, please hop on over to EngageFamilyGaming.com slash community and let us know what you played. So, now that we're done with Around the Horn... I think we should take a break, and then we'll come back. I'd like to talk about three Kickstarters that are out there that are worth mentioning. Sounds good. All right. We'll be back, folks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 122 of Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is the Kickstarter section of Engage, a family gaming podcast, so... Uh, I have three that I would like to bring up. These are three active campaigns that still uh, have—all of them have at least uh, two weeks to go. Uh, So the first one is by Final Frontier Games, and it is Robin Hood and the Merry Men. We talked about this in our Most Anticipated Games podcast uh, at the beginning of the year, Um, or at least I think we did. Did it? Maybe it didn't make the cut, but I, it was on mine. Um, this is a Kickstarter. Um, g- go figure. It's about Robin Hood and the Merry Men. So Robin Hood, ti- you know, Little John. I almost said Tiny Tim. Very different. That would. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real. Wait. Let's Little hold. hold John on. Made let's Marianne. talk for a minute. Robin Hood and Tiny Tim being in the same game would be. No. I mean, they were both no. in Britain, right?
1: <sighs> anyway,
0: so um, that would be crossing the streams in a really weird way. So Robin Hood and the Merry Men. Um is a semi-cooperative board game, uh, set in Nottingham, uh, where you each play either Will Scarlet or Maid Marian or Robin Hood or Little John. I almost said Tiny Tim again. <laughs> um, and you are uh, essentially—it's a Euro game, so you're get ga- you know placing workers, gathering resources, having the the uh, having your. Uh, the Merry Men uh, scuttle off uh, with uh, and deal with the Sheriff of Nottingham. Um, this game is already like a thousand percent funded, so this is basically a pre-order here, folks. Um, there is and there's still two weeks to go, and there's still I get emails all every day about different um, yeah, different stretch goals. stretch goals that have been added. Um, the game board looks amazing. Uh, there is a deluxe edition that includes like. You know, crazy, like, handcrafted, like, resin pieces and things like that, which is awesome. I think that's a little unnecessary. That's why I didn't back it that way. But if you're one of them people, you can do it. Um, Some of the stretch goals, like, they added... I don't even know who this guy is. Who's Alan Adale? Is he a a Robin Hood character? You're supposed to know everything about books, honey. Okay, so he's a guy. Um... They got bigger dice. They got a UV logo on the box. You know, all sorts of stuff. This is getting bigger. Um, the player boards are cooler. Um, they have a solo mode that has been opened, which I don't play solo games because if I'm going to play a game all by myself, I'm going to get my Switch out, but it has a solo game. So, um, and there's a new hero um, that is apparently only available in the deluxe version, which is a little disappointing. But So, this is a game, um, a base version of the game, including all of the... Um, uh, all of the unlock stretch goals is sixty bucks, um, which really isn't that bad. Um, actually, wait, it's fifty four, but it's six with shipping. It's coming out this November. That means the game is all designed and the art is all done. This is just a matter of getting a check so they can pay a publisher or a manufacturer and for shipping, which is pretty rad. It's going to retail for seventy, um, so that's good. Uh, so that's Robin and the uh, Robin Hood and the Merry Men. Um, head on over to Kickstarter. They have a nice video uh, that'll show you how the game works. Like I said, it's a Euro game, so it, it works pretty much like you think it does. Um, and they've got a little cool little meeples for the Merry Men and all that. The meeple's are cute. Meeple's are cute. Um, we'll know more when it shows up in November. Uh, next, I want to talk about Pocket Sub. We're gonna t- we're just gonna just totally flip the script here. Pocket Sub is uh, from Alley Cat Games. Uh, one of those guys is. Uh, one of the designers of this game is um, works with geek fever games who are friends of the show um, this is a cheap micro game um, you can get it for about 15 bucks uh, it's 11 is that a pound is that a pound yeah it's 11 pounds or fifteen dollars it is a quick um, micro game where you are basically laying tiles um, you're placing submarine meeples and mines and you're basically trying to outmaneuver an opponent. It is a super simple game. This is not a game that you're gonna, you know, that's gonna blow your brain out while you're trying to play this stuff. But um, it's very deep, a lot of fun. Um, I've played it like twice, um, and I've enjoyed it. Um, Like I said, you're placing the meeples, um, and they have submarine meeples, sub meeples, as it were. (laughs) I am, I am, and you know, I am a sucker for funny meeples, and sub meeples is pretty good. Not as good as cam meeples. But pretty close. They're cute. But,
1: now, uh, you know, it's a war game-ish thing, kind of.
0: Ish. Ish. Big time-ish. Yeah, no, game.
1: I don't mean like, like a strategy war game. But I mean, it's, you know, it it looks fun. I like little pocket games that you can take with you, that you can bring to a restaurant while you're waiting for your food or while you're waiting for your table. This looks like something that can, be, can travel. We've taken quite a few games like that along. Um... Our kids like Battleship and anything with boats and submarines and things like that and yeah. sinking submarines. So I'm sure they'll like it.
0: Yeah. Um, and 15 bucks, it's hard. I mean, if, if the theme interests you, um, it's hard to not take a stab at 15 bucks. So um, last but not least. Now this is one I really want to talk about. Speaking of games that you can take with you anywhere... That does not include Sword Crafters. Uh, no. Sword Crafters is a board game that is up on Kickstarter right now. Um, I had no idea it existed until one of the women that my wife and I w- used to LARP with shared a picture of it. And I was like, what is that? Here's what Sword Crafters is, guys. This is the entire elevator pitch. You pick up car You basically are selecting tiles out of a tableau more or less drafting them and using them to construct a three-dimensional sword. <laughs> That's awesome. I know my wife is not super enthusiastic you about it. You
1: craft 2D game pieces into a 3D sword. I mean, yeah. it's
0: It's a tile selection and placement board game. You and like way- you
1: made it sound like it was the most epic thing in the whole wide world because you're making a sword. You know and I mean, it's cool. It's it's all right not like i'm not gonna oh my god i must have this now no that's just not like it 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 looks cute it looks well you get away
0: with not needing it right now i don't because i need it right now i'm sure i need this game in my face right now right now i'm sure you um the good news is it's eight plus so i can justify it because megan's almost old enough yeah. And Jacob is definitely old enough
1: and it's for two to five swords, but only one will be chosen. What does Ooh. that
0: mean? um that means there will only be one winner two to five swords uh, two to five players. players okay you couldn't figure that out Takes thirty boor- minutes haha <laughs> this cute. is a board is a board game podcast
1: I mean yeah I so what
0: it. what do you think two to five sounds like player count
1: yeah, I get it it's it's just... cool the 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 crystals are pretty on the sword
0: um yeah the, it's Gems. cool listen um Whatever they are. guess what? Uh, folks, we're going to have this game. Whether Jenna is unenthusiastic or not, I will have this.
1: I'm not unenthusiastic. I just, you know, I have games that I like that are different.
0: Yeah, I know. Then um, I
1: never get to play because they're too big.
0: <laughs> well, okay. We should fix that. But... That's Sword Crafters. All three of these games are still up on Kickstarter. Um, at the time you'll be listening to this, they all have around or more than two weeks to go. Um, all three of them have been funded. Um, Sword Crafters, the least so. Um, it was looking for a $10,000 goal, $10, goal, and it just broke that. $10,261. So, um, obviously, it's in the middle of the campaign. There's a lull. It will likely pick up a little bit towards the end. I think you should uh, join them. So, definitely head up to all these campaigns. Take a look at the videos. See what you want. I think Swordcrafters is going to cr- catch some people's eye. Whether it's your kind of game or not, don't know. I don't even know if it's my kind of game, but I like the idea of building a three-dimensional sword out of two-dimensional pieces. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Listen, it's the, it's the Get Hype Awards right now. And right now, I am hyped for Swordcrafters. Be mad about it, I guess. Uh-uh. I'm not mad. She's not mad, guys. But but I'm sassing my wife because I can. It was her birthday the other day, really? so I can sa- I can sass her. That's what I do. Yep. Um, I, would you rather I sass you or tell everybody how old you are on the podcast? It She'd doesn't. rather I sass her. So, um, why don't matter. we take a break, and then we will come back for our third segment, where we're going to talk about. Some of our trials and tribulations about running a successful board game party. How about that? Sounds good. All right. We'll be back in a minute. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 122 of Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is our board game episode. We went around the horn. We highlighted some cool kickstarters, and now we're going to get into the meat of our topic. We're going to talk about running a board game night. Now, we're not talking about a family board game night where you largely have a captive audience, and it's really <laughs> just a matter of keeping people, of motivating your kids to play a game with you, or them motivating you to play a game with them, uh, which is uh, in our house because we are all so busy, it's always one or the other. Either they want to watch YouTube and do nothing else, or we're just flying all over the place trying to get stuff done, and they just say, hey, mom and dad, shut up and play a game. And usually we do. Um, But everybody's got a big old stack of board games. Most people listening to this, at least, have a big old stack of board games. And so what better justification for owning those boxes of cardboard but to have parties? So, but we you, we tried to have a couple of those, and we went, how many board game, quote unquote board game parties did we go before a single board game was played? Many. Like four?
1: Yeah, we had many.
0: We had four. Um, and I think, and we always came out having fun, but being disappointed because we never played any games. So, um, we have what I believe are four really solid tips that we think will help everybody out.
1: Right. I mean, we've tried many different ways of having board games. Um, Sometimes we did have board game parties where three people got to play a really, really deep and intense board game, and nobody else did. Um, Sometimes we've had board game parties, like you said, where nobody played a single game. Um, So the first strategy, tip, whatever we want to give you. Why don't we call these tips? Tips. So the first tip is, first of all, how you prep. For a board game party. Um, First of all, we don't call it family game night, board game night, party, grill, barbecue, whatever. We have our game night. And you don't invite 70 people to a game night. Because what happens when you invite 70 people to a game night?
0: Well, I mean, what happens is there's too many damn people and no one can agree on anything. Exactly. So you need to... Now, okay. You need to know your audience. There are some people listening to this who very well could have people that are just all go-getters and will all just find a game and sit down and play and treat it like a convention. If that is your crowd, then shut the podcast off. We'll see you next week. This isn't for you. This isn't for you. Except because literally, if if your people just always play games, then we're not going to really be able to teach you much. But... Um, I think knowing your audience is the best idea. We all have friends that love board games. We all have friends that don't. Um, And we all have friends that we suspect would love board games if they were in the right environment. If, If you have friends that legit despise... Like, if they get sick at the sight of DICE, maybe don't invite them to your game night. Maybe make it very clear that it is a game night so that those friends don't get upset that they're not included. Or maybe include them... But tell them straight up, hey, this is a game night. No pressure. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. That was one of the things that we started doing is we invited a group of people and told everybody, legit, no pressure. There's no pressure. We're not, you know, like if you can't make it, you can't make it. If you don't want to be there for a bunch of board games and having a bunch of kids around, it's cool. You don't have to. You can, you just don't show up. It's cool.
1: Right. So what. I think that helped a lot. What we ended up doing, the number one thing that we needed to do was just to stop And put it on the calendar. Not knowing who we were going to invite, not having a huge list of people, just put a game night on the calendar. This is the day we're going to do the game night. We also realize that starting at night, when you are of our age and have a bunch of families with children, is a bad idea. Um, Because by the time you actually sit down to play a game, the kids will be tired and cranky, and it'll be time to pack up and go home. So we actually have game day. We put it on our calendar. Once a month is what we shoot for right now. And come as as early as you can, starting after eleven a.m. And stay as late as you can before your kids turn feral and <laughs> we all have to put them in bed. So um, we start around eleven. We try to start around eleven, and we stay till whenever the kids get too tired to play. Um, in that, we make sure because we know that we are a gamer group that has quite a few children and quite a few adults, and we'd like to all be able to have a chance to play the games, we've started to figure out a setup that works for our house. We have a large dining room table that is perfect for playing games on. We could use both halves of the table and have two size games going at the same time. But doesn't really work that well for the kids. So we have a separate room where we have a card table, and you could do whatever size suits your space, you know, Four-by-four four card table, six-foot card table, whatever kind of table fits your okay, space. if it's six
0: feet long, it's not a card table anymore? It's just a table. <laughs> it's just a table.
1: But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You could have a table that suits that space that we set up in the other room so that one set of adults can be in the room with the kids where all the toys are and play a game there with the kids. And then the adults who want a quieter space could have space in the dining room. Um... That's kind of how we figured out that it sets up well, and we put games in both different rooms. We tend to try and keep games that are more appropriate for kids and younger players in the room with the toys, and we tend to keep our bigger games that are a little bit more intense or you need a little bit more of a challenge in the quieter room that doesn't have all the toys in it. Um, The second thing that we figured out, our second tip, I guess, in addition to the setup and how to put it on a calendar and just getting people to show up, is food. We got bogged down quite a few times in a board game night with messy food that takes you away from the table where you have to clean up the game to be able to eat the food and then put the game back out again. And nothing derails a good gaming session like having to clean the game away and then put it back out after you're done eating. Like, that totally will derail a gaming session. Yeah. So, what is our new rule for food?
0: Um. Well, I mean, we keep it simple. So, the idea is, you know, we try to limit the need for, like, forks. <laughs> and, you know, like, and I know that sounds counterintuitive, right? You would think, oh, well, I mean, you don't want to get your hands on food and get that on the board game components. It's not like that. I mean, we're not saying we encourage, like, gross stuff. But, um. We want everything to be as simple as possible. So grilling or, you know, like s- simple things like that. Um, that, things that take just one plate.
1: Right. Um, like we, we've done everything from chili to a stew to grilling to ordering pizza or, you know, but anything that requires you to set it up, prep it, get lots of different utensils and, and you know, buffet style your food. It's it doesn't work for a board game night because you have to clean your game away and that just kills your momentum. So um, also, you know, like you said, we don't want to be gross. Don't you know? Maybe have something that's not quite Doritos for your munchy snack while you're playing your board games. Um, Doritos
0: are real gross for board games.
1: They are (laughs) like anything like cheese puffs. Our kids one time we had to like. It was perfection that they were playing and eating cheese puffs at the
0: same time. Fortunately, perfection is entirely made out of plastic. (laughs) It
1: it is, and we could put it in the sink and clean it, and that's what we ended up having to do with all those little pieces. So just be aware of of how you're preparing food because I don't know anybody who has a a game night and people don't get hungry or game day and people don't get hungry and want to eat, and don't derail your game day by having inappropriate food.
0: So another thing that I, I want to throw up, throw out um, and I think this is important is um, setting expectations Um, here's the thing like I said at the very beginning we had like four or five quote unquote game parties where not a single game was played Um, we were thinking back on them we came out of it you know Jen and I came out of it like disappointed because we never played any games but the reality is everybody had a good time so um, the goal is fun We don't have to do, like, the board game Death March through our parties. So set your expectations right in that you're going to have fun. Um, Now, we are media creators. So there are certain times that we'll bring people over because we literally need a game to be played. Um, That is a very different animal. And, you know, we manage that in a very specific way. um, Largely just by bossing our friends around. The ones that we know are okay with being bossed around. Um, But, I mean... Keep it simple, right? I mean, if you know that uh, you have a group of people that are just going to want to play games all the time, then give them the ability to do so and let it go. And I like to think that as long as there is always a game being played somewhere in the house, it's a board game party. Yes. Um, and so set your expectations and be reasonable with yourself. Don't expect the free board game area at PAX East to be ha- taking place at your house unless it's RabbitCon and you have 50 people that all just wanna play board games all over the place and see each other twice a year. Like, you know, you're, unless you're doing that, as long as you got one board game going, you, you can call it successfully a game day, I like to think.
1: Yes, and to, to keep that happening, we have found that kind of staging the area and the games that we put out work. We have a, like I said, an area where we keep our kids' games, and we pick like two or three kids' games, maybe more depending on the number of kids we have there who can actually play games, but we've picked two or three kids' games that the kids can just kind of play through. We take, for the adults, some kind of medium-intensity games. We found out that, yes, we have some big games that require a lot of setup and in-depth play and thought. Those don't really work for, like, game day parties. They don't. I mean... You pick those games for a select group of people and you have more intimate parties for the the bigger, yeah. more intense games so
0: like civilization a new dawn by fantasy flight games, not perfect for a party unless that party is of four people, all of whom are playing that game right for the entire day right um no so, i couldn't I couldn't agree more on that, and I think it's you know like you stage your areas right and so right. um and the other thing we do. Is we you know once we've picked those games to get started, um, we get our kids hype to play those games um, by talking about them and getting them ready and kind of prepping them for the responsibility of like you know okay so your friends are going to be here you're going to play Monster Match with them and they get you know get them excited and but you're then... going to
1: play Cube Quest and you're going to play you know Dragonwood and you're... we get them excited to show their friends how to play the games. And then it keeps the enthusiasm going. Um, At least so the kids kind of, and let's be blunt, stay out of the adults' hair while the adults are playing the games that they want to play. We've also put in... There is
0: certainly room for mixed company, though. There is.
1: And that's where the party games and the icebreaker games and some of the mixed games come in. We always have people who are at our game days who are the go-with, the spouses, the girlfriend or the boyfriend of somebody who's a gamer... Who they like games but they don't like games like i was that person when steve and i first started dating because our friends intimidated me with a board game they're like oh you like board games i'm like oh yeah i like board games and oh, for me yeah, yeah. And board games out, were like yeah. clue and i like i, I like pictionary and i like taboo and i like the you know party games and they brought out talisman was that the name of the game
0: um, yeah, it was Talisman. Yeah. And they brought out Talisman with all the expansions.
1: And I was like, uh, yeah, um, I guess I don't really like games. Because this is not, I, I don't get it. It's It was way overwhelming. And I totally was like, I guess I'm not really a board gamer. Because what I play is, like, party games. And those aren't board games. And lo and behold, I am, in fact, more of a board gamer than I am a video gamer. And, um, I really do like board games. So, yeah, there's going to be people who are really intimidated by even Ticket to Ride, so make sure you have games that are more party game style or easier to learn or less intimidating than a traditional Euro game. Okay, so guys, we have what you saying
0: is get code names, code just names buy code names, or
1: Quirkle or I mean, we have so many games just that buy are code like names.
0: that. Make sure you have all the code names.
1: I have a couple of games out that are fun, like um, code names. You know, there's like a dozen of them. Why are you plugging code names? There's a dozen or more games that we have that are like that that I bring out. I know. There are some
0: people who won't play code names. I have code names on the brain right now because we have Marvel code names in that bag over there. And you want un, to play. Un, it. Un, unopened. And I really want to look at it. And it's but I your can't son's, because it's my son's
1: birthday present.
0: I know, and I want to open it, but I can't. <laughs> Welcome to March,
1: good. all the birthdays. Yep. Um, we have two months out of the year where everybody's birthdays are, and one's in in uh, around Christmas time and one is in the spring. So we have lots of games to catch up on. Anyways, um, so those are some of our, our tips. The other thing that I, I – the last thing that I want to say is make sure you have alternative activities, not just icebreaker games, but something else for people to do when there's a lull in between playing games for that group because sometimes games can only fit 4 players but you have 7 adults. Sometimes kids games, there's only two kids who want to play games and the other kids want to run around like chickens. So, you know, have something else to do. We always have our electronics available. Um, Switch
0: Mario Kart is an amazing but specifically Mario Kart on the Switch. Yep. Um, with its accessibility controls. Yep. Um. So if you happen to have a Switch, if you don't have a Switch, buy one. Even if you don't really <laughs> like video games, I think everyone should have You're one. You're so
1: demanding today. <clears throat>
0: I'm not demanding. I'm just, well, I am. But it's it's for your own good, folks. It's for your own good. Anyways, um, so... make sure you
1: have alternatives. We have, we've had board game days where we've had coloring pages for the real little ones. We have Play-Doh and play mats that they can put on the table instead of board games, um, even though it makes me crazy um, because Play-Doh ends up everywhere. We have have some alternative activities. We've put some STEM activities in there. We've had, you know, all kinds of things that we've tried to have available for the kids and for the adults who don't want to play games because we've also had the occasional adult who just sits on the couch in the corner and kind of pouts because they're not happy with the game choices that are out there.
0: And you know what? That's okay.
1: And that's okay. But we have recently, with these tips and tricks and things, have found a way to make game days last, happen.
0: And our last several game days, I would say, have been very successful. Um, so those have been. <clears throat> I would have liked if we had done this and, like, clearly, like, tip number one, tip number two. We'll make that a list and put that up on the site. But sure. My last real piece of advice is have a Linda. Have a Linda. Have a Linda. So (laughs) if you're familiar with the content on the site, you know that our newest board game editor is Linda Robol. She is a first grade teacher. And that's really all you need to know as to why it is good to have her around. Um, She has no problems telling people what to do. She is very comfortable instructing a chaotic pile of children. Um, She is uh, bossy in a kind of bossy
1: way. <laughs> you know she's our number one listener and she's listening nah. and running to drum through the screen and
0: strangle you right now. Nah, but she is um but she's bossy. It's we, fine. We but have we able... give her we, th- we what we have done is just asked her to kind of, "Hey, can you help us make sure that this gets done?" And you know what? She does it. When we're just standing around in the kitchen, she'll walk out and grab a game, and be like, "Hey,
1: we're going to play this now. We're going to play
0: this now. But And we have a it just bunch subtly of... moves things forward. And you know what? Sometimes it's not her. Sometimes it's her husband. You know, it's always having one person whose job is to just kind of nudge things in the right direction.
1: And if you have a teacher or four in your group, you know, assign those jobs to the teachers. Have that.
0: Yeah, have the <laughs> teachers do it. Or a project manager. We find that those are useful, too. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's good to just kind of take the stuff and throw it out on the table and just be like, Hey, we're going to do this thing. Um... So that is a useful tip, and you know what? We're we. Are, I have a few. I have one more. Wait, <laughs> okay. no. This is this is a big I'm deal. Ready. I'm ready. Read the darn rule books before people show up. Yes. If you're going to learn a new game, you need to do your homework. Yes. You can't you need to read the rule book? Watch how it's played. Maybe even play the game solo to understand how the game works so that you can at least get someone halfway into the game. Yes, so, I agree. Um, we I, have
1: derailed a couple of really good games that we've turned our friends off to because we didn't know how to play and we were trying to work out the kinks with them. And that has soured people to some really good some games. Some people
0: really don't like learning new games. They just don't. And so the onboarding process... Is very key. So let's recap very briefly. So set, set up, up ahead of time. Make sure that your in- invitations are clear, right? And put it on the calendar. And put it on the calendar. Um, keep it simple. Number two, keep it super simple with the food. Super simple. As simple as you can possibly get it. Um, three, stage your different areas um, so that you have – a board, you know, a board game area in one room, maybe a board game area in another room. So there are plenty of areas for people to be. Make sure there's a hangout space.
1: Yeah. Um, and stage your games,
0: and then stage the games by actually picking a couple of games out of your collection and putting them in that place. So you don't have so you don't have to deal with the browsing effect because it, the bigger your collection, the more the temptation will be to sit there and talk about it.
1: And part of staging your games is to prep the games, know the games that you're going to put out.
0: Correct. Know the games. And uh, lastly...
1: Have your alternative activities. Well,
0: not lastly. Can't say lastly. The fourthly, have your alternative activities ready. Have those coloring books ready. Have the Switch Joy-Cons charged. Have the PlayStation ready with some Street Fighter. Whatever you're going to do. And then lastly, um, pick the roles for the people that are going to be there. And make sure that they know that you're hoping that they will help enforce things or enforce it yourself if you are so inclined. So those are some of our tips. Now, we forgot stuff. We always forget stuff. And we're not the only people that have board game parties. So um, if you have successfully had board game parties, board game days, board game weekends, whatever, share with us what your thoughts are. We'll talk about them in a future podcast. Um, head on over to engagefamilygaming.com slash community. Join the Facebook group and tell us um, – what do you think? What are your tips for having a successful family board game party day, night, weekend, event, etc.? Sounds right? good. Love to. I would absolutely love to hear what you say, um, because you know, I mean, we could always get better. We can always improve, right? So um, that's it. That's our that's our show uh, for episode 122. Can you believe they let us do this? For almost 150 episodes? It's so crazy. Yes, it it's is. so crazy. So, here we are. Um, my name is Steven. And this is Jenna. We'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. We'll be back next week. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about video games. Um, probably going to have to have a discussion about some of that their uh, uh, violence in the video games. I think it's about time. We rip off the band-aid and me and Jen are gonna have a little bit of a debate. Um, and but we're gonna but it's gonna be a loving debate. It's gonna be a loving debate. Because she and I, we uh we we stand on opposite sides of some of these issues. Um and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. Um so that will be next week. I'm not ready. We're not ready. I'm not ready either, <laughs> but we're gonna be there. Ready. Folks, it's gonna be a wild one. Uh so be ready for a hot podcast next week. Until next time, though. Leave us a rating on iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Um, And don't forget to get your family game on. See you next week. Bye, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to Engage, a family gaming podcast. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you for listening. Tune in
1: next.